You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday after we had to miss last Friday's podcast due to construction issues outside my house, which was not a lot of fun. But we're back, and the Pelicans have been back after their 10-game winning streak, which did end Friday with a loss to the Wizards, followed up by another disappointing loss to the Utah Jazz on Sunday last night. In a game, both games, we're just going to recap and talk about those here as we kind of get back to our usual schedule here on Locked On Pelicans. And then I'm going to give you some updates and just talk about a few different things in the final third segment, including much more of an update on Solomon Hill and when he'll be returning. Alvin Gentry mentioned something at the game yesterday, but then I started doing some digging, started talking to some other people, and I think we definitely kind of have an answer, sort of. We got a range of answers, but much more specific than we had before. So I'll tell you when it sounds like, not going to guarantee anything here, he might be coming back, as well as some other things to kind of look at with this team that we'll dive into the rest of the week. So we're just going to kind of hit everything pretty quick and hard here in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So Friday night, riding the 10-game winning streak, the Pelicans were set to play the Washington Wizards. Then the news came out that Anthony Davis was going to be out with that ankle injury. I can tell you from being there and talking with people associated with the team, he was likely never going to play. And that was a team decision, not an Anthony Davis decision. Davis wanted to go, and had the team let him, I think would have played, as I shake the mic here a little bit, and wanted to go. But I think they all realized, or at least the team did, that Sunday's game against the Wizards was far, far more important for the Pels, where you have a tiebreaker on the line, and more or less Sunday's game counted for two versus just one. While you want to get the win versus the Wizards, it doesn't have the same importance as moving up in the standings of the Western Conference playoffs and knocking another team down, giving yourself a little bit more separation. So they rolled without Anthony Davis, and you had to figure, you know, they were going to be outmatched in this one, especially with Otto Porter Jr. playing well for the Wizards and set to go in that game. And then, you know, you just kind of see how the chips fall. But the chips didn't fall well for the Pelicans, and in the end, it was a 116-97 to Final score, a game where the Wizards had a lead as big as 27 in this one. And the Pelicans just really didn't do much of anything offensively. They looked out of sorts. It also doesn't help when you miss your first 11 or 12, I forget it was, three-pointers. On the, on the night Friday, they finished 6 of 20 from deep. They finished 46.3% from the field overall. And there's really not a whole lot you can do. And it wasn't like the Wizards shot much better, to be honest. They shot 47.9%. They hit three more threes than the Pels did for at 34.6%. But there were other things that the team did that really helped. Second chance points and offensive rebounds were a 
big one for them. The Wizards had 18 second chance points off 10 offensive rebounds. They grabbed a total of 49 boards on the night compared to the Pelicans' 38. So no one was really doing their job on the glass there. For the Wizards, who are also without John Walls, so they're missing a superstar player, though you could maybe make the argument that they're better without him, but that you'd be wrong. You know, Otto Porter Jr., 19 points. Markeith Moore, 17 points. Bradley Beal, 16 points. Kelly Oubre Jr., 11 points off the bench. Jody Meeks, 10 points off the bench. Mike Scott, 10 points off the bench. Former New Orleans player Jason Smith had eight. That You had uh, remote sessions with seven. Thomas Sadoransky starting in place of John Wall, eight points. That's kind of an overall great contribution from a number of guys. One, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures. And then two guys scoring eight points as well. Pelicans had four guys in double figures. One of those being Rajon Rondo with just 11, another one being DeAndre Liggins with 10, kind of in garbage time. Um, Drew Holiday on the night finished with four points. He was two of eight. When you don't have Anthony Davis, you need that guy to step up more and play, I, I don't know, just a larger role in the team. He had an offensive rating, Drew Holiday, of 70.9, which is pretty bad. He had a negative net rating on the night of negative 29.9. And his usage rate oddly, is one of the lowest on the team from that game. Etwan Moore, Ian Clark, Darius Miller, Cech Diallo, Miritich, Walter Lemon Jr., and Rajon Rondo all had a higher usage rate than Drew Holiday did. Uh, Holiday used 16.6 of the Pels' possessions when he's on the court. You're the number two on the team. You've got to go out there and do more than that, and you can't play that passive role no matter even if you're out of sorts. Falcons needed more from him in that game, and it was kind of disappointing to see. Uh, The only two guys below him were DeAndre Liggins and Emeka Okafor when it comes to usage rate. So not what you want to see, you know, really at all from the Pelicans' best player who'd been playing excellent basketball. And when a game like that happens, there's really not a whole lot you're going to be able to do and win and you just kind of forget about this game and move on and the Pelicans did I think that's kind of the best way to look at it they you know there were turnover issues those weren't good um, again the second chance points off of offensive rebounds and not grabbing those boards weren't good dribble penetration was kind of rough for the Pels as well which has been an issue and yeah yeah kind of one of those games and not a great time to have it. You'd rather have those earlier in the year, and they had those against the Kings, against the Mavericks. We could go on and on and on. And this is why, you know, I always think games do matter during the regular season because they could miss out on the playoffs by one game. And you're going to wish they had one of those Kings games back, that Mavericks game back, what have you. One of those you're going to have wanted back. And that's why you've got to take everything seriously, which the Pelicans haven't done. And in this one kind of just looked like they didn't really want to be there. That kind of mental toughness we've seen from the team over the past few weeks kind of vanished a little bit. And it makes you wonder. So then the question would become, do they rebound? Rebound. Do they play better Sunday against the Jazz? So before we talk about the Jazz, make sure you listen to Monday's edition of Locked On NBA. I'm on there with the Monday host, Josh Lloyd, uh, talking about the Pelicans during this winning streak. We dove into Emeka Okafor a little bit, what's gone on with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and all of this, and how the Pelicans managed to get back into contention. Uh, so definitely a good thing there, some Pels coverage on the national podcast. So make sure you listen to Locked On NBA. 
So the plan was put that game in the rearview mirror and then see what happens against the Jazz. Not see what happens, but like go out and play better against the Jazz. And the Pelicans took them on in the afternoon game on Sunday with Anthony Davis returning because like I said in the open, we knew this was a much more important game for the Pelicans. You've got this one that potentially counts as two. The Jazz are 2-1 and one against New Orleans this year, so a win gives them the tiebreaker for sure, while the Pelicans lose the out on that and they don't even have the um, you know potential of a 2-2, two and two, which you could use for at least some things because then it goes to other secondary tiebreakers, which you don't want to have to use as well, just win the damn series. And... You know, with Anthony Davis in the lineup, things should be better, even though this has been a bad matchup for him usually, with Rudy Gobert just kind of swallowing him up and kind of destroying him in the paint as, you know, Rudy Gobert does. And the Jazz are coming in on a tear. They're playing some of the best basketball you've seen all year long. And their defense, which we already knew was so good, is absurd, where over this streak, they've held something like 14 of 16 opponents to under an offensive rating of 100. So they're scoring less than one point per possession, which is an insanely good number to be able to kind of go out and hit. So that shows you how well this team has been playing and kind of the Herculean effort it was going to take the Pelicans to overcome this Utah Jazz team. And you know what, though? New Orleans kind of put forth that effort before running out of steam in this game. So it ended up being a 116-99 loss. Utah, who had a big uh, lead as big as 17 in the game, and it wasn't that far out of reach until the very end. They survived a Donovan Mitchell hot stretch. They came right back in it and would get the game close, and then the Jazz managed to just kind of close it out whenever the Pels pulled it a little bit near. So you could look at this game after the lackluster performance. We'll dive more into this game in a second here. Against the Wizards, you could say, you know, this is maybe a moral victory and a moral win because I actually liked what I saw out of the Pelicans last night, yesterday afternoon. You know, they just were kind of not synced up offensively and sometimes that happens but the effort was kind of there you had to like what you saw from Anthony Davis doing everything he could even on the bum ankle to try and will this team to victory they just weren't able to do it but unfortunately with this few games left in the regular season there is no room and you can't have any moral victories those don't matter anymore because the games have too much importance on them to try and look for silver linings in something else. But, you know, we still got to talk about the game here. So we're going to do that. The biggest uh, story of the night was Anthony Davis triple-double. First career triple-double on his birthday. It's my birthday in exactly a week. I'll be 32. And I'm just going to try and not be hungover on my birthday or try and get rid of the hangover as quickly as possible. So that goes to show you what this dude's doing at 25 compared to what I'm going to be doing at 32. Which is like in bed just dying and having my girlfriend bring me Gatorades. So on the night, playing on the bum ankle, Anthony Davis finishes with 25 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 blocks, along with three steals and three assists. That's a kind of quietish triple-double, but doing it with blocks, it's been done like four times in the past 10 years. So that's how rare it is to get a triple-double with blocks, and it was impressive to see. Anthony Davis actually shut down Rudy Gobert offensively. Gobert had 19 points, but he was 5 of 13 on the night, and it took nine trips to the free-throw line to really get him those points. He made all of them. Now, the Gobert was a monster on the glass, particularly the defensive glass, and the Pelicans show they have continu continued to have or rebounding trouble. They weren't a great rebounding team either with both Davis and Cousins out there, and this has only gotten worse, obviously, as the season's gone on without DeMarcus Cousins. 
Um, second chance points for Utah were kind of limited, but they came at very crucial times for them. Utah on the night did grab uh, 17 offensive boards, but because you have a guy like Anthony Davis blocking shots left and right and forcing misses and different things like that, you know, they weren't able to capitalize on those as much. At one point, both teams were under 35% from the field. Utah finished with uh, 41.7 from uh, the field on the night, 37.5% from deep, and the Pelicans' deep shooting woes continued where they were 6 of 21, 28.6%, 44.1% from the field overall. Did have a number of guys in double figures, though. That's why you kind of saw guys step up and play better when Anthony Davis was doing everything he could. Each uh, one more who'd been bad for three quarters really got his scoring going late, finished with 10 points. Mecca Okafor, five of six from the field was huge in the minutes that he played, huge. Uh, six rebounds, 11 points. Drew Holiday got hot late in that second half end of the third to start of the fourth quarter uh, time period where he finished with 18 points despite not really doing much for the first half. And you had Ian Clark who was getting to the line and scoring that way. Uh, not getting to the line, sorry, getting to the rim and scoring that way. He was 6 of 11 on the night, 14 points, didn't make a three. Darius Miller also showed he can make shots that aren't three-pointers. And you saw this team at one point wake up and start to attack when Rudy Gobert was kind of out of the game and they tried to take advantage. And this was the game plan. Alvin Gentry talked about it um, after the game saying we wanted to go at the rim and be aggressive and score. They didn't have enough of that versus Washington. So that was the game plan tonight and see if you can get a guy like Rudy Gobert in trouble uh, with fouls. Derek Favor at one point had three fouls in the first half and had to limit his minutes. He was largely ineffective on the night because of that. And they said, we're not worried about Rudy Gobert. If he blocks shots, he blocks shots. What can you do? Uh, but we've got to be aggressive and kind of do what we did to get us here. And the Pelicans did, and it just wasn't enough. And they missed a lot of shots at the rim. And it just kind of, these past two games were off. Like, I don't know what else to really say about it. But you had that Herculean effort from Anthony Davis. There were blocks all around. It was a lot of fun. 14 blocks on the night. Um, for the New Orleans Pelicans, rebounding again, being an issue. But this team was playing better, and maybe this Jazz team is just better than they are, which I truly think, and I've been saying on the podcast, that this Jazz team's getting into the playoffs, especially when you're going to see their schedule upcoming. You know, it, it's tough to play really good basketball as long as they have, but they're doing it. And then when you've got a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who has been an absolute terror, um, up throughout the league, finishing with 27 points, got super hot at the right time. Ricky Rubio was hitting his shots. He was 10 of 22. When he makes his shots at his three-pointers, he becomes even more effective because you actually have to take those shots away from him. And the Pelicans were really unable to do so. And then when they tried to, he was just dishing assists. He had seven on the night to go with 30 points. Okay, it is what it is. You kind of need to just move on from this one and deal with it. To, over these two games, though, you know, there are some concerns that you don't necessarily just want to move on from. Again, guards and dribble penetration. Holiday's doing what he can, but he can only do so much. And when he has to fight through a number of screens, and the Jazz were running him through two or three screens at a time to create space for Ricky Rubio, it can definitely be a problem. One-on-one, -on -one, he's an amazing defender. Fighting through all that, Little, little bit harder to do. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of one of the issues. This team needs to figure it out. And, you know, they might have some help coming back. And we'll talk about that in the next segment.
So before we get to that, and I will give you a more solid update than we've had in recent times on, on Solomon Hill, make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com. We've got content up there daily, deep dives on things that you're not getting anywhere else. Make sure you go read the one I wrote last Monday about Drew Holiday, how he's been scoring, why he's been playing so well, and it'll kind of give you an idea of what he needs to do to get back there because you're looking at very different kind of mindset from Holiday over these past two games. So go check it out over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Okay, we're at the part I know you all want to know, and the number one question I've been asked recently is, when is Solomon Hill coming back? We still don't have a specific answer. Alvin Gentry, you know, there was hope he was going to play on that four-game road trip. That didn't happen. He hasn't played this weekend, and every time someone asks, basically, it's just he's close, he's close, whatever, whatever, whatever. Alvin Gentry said there's a chance he's going to play maybe at this homestead coming up um, this week, even though they're on the road. So what I was told is they're really targeting that Thursday game against the Spurs for the return. And I don't know if they're going to stick to this. Again, this is just being what I'm told and I'm just passing it on. But there's also a good chance that he could play tomorrow night against the Hornets. You're going to just leave that there. Make of it what you will. I feel, you know, I don't. maybe the person wasn't all the way in the know on this and they weren't telling the truth, what have you. That's what I was told. So that's what it sounds like it could be, uh, either this Tuesday at home against the Hornets or against the Spurs uh, on the road. And Solomon Hill, and when we get more of an announcement on this, we'll talk about the impact. Maybe we'll just talk about it tomorrow. That's probably going to make the most sense, let's be honest here, uh, would be a good thing. So one, minutes are going to be important coming up for the rest of the season for the Pels with all of these games and the lack of rest that they're going to have. Minutes will start to wear on these players, particularly Anthony Davis, who's played very high minutes so far this year. Him missing that Friday game against the Wizards could have been a good thing just to get the dude some rest. It's kind of as simple as that. Even though Solomon Hill's likely going to be on a minutes restriction to start the his return, not start the season, but you know when he returns... It, that's still minutes that he can take away from Anthony Davis, and you still have a quality player out on the court. We've seen this team kind of struggle with outside contain and guards penetrating and kind of breaking down the defense that way. The Pals want to get back to and have been getting back to that aggressive switching scheme to try and trap guys immediately and slow them down. You now have a guy who can defend three or four positions a little bit better, and it just makes you better at that switching thing. There's a reason they were top... 10 on defense last year when he was in the lineup and when he was playing and he was a big part of that because this team really does value positional versatility. So again, looks like his returns imminent may be the best word to say. Again, I don't know exactly when it'll be, but it's certainly coming very soon. Some things I'm going to be looking at this week as we wrap up the podcast here. Pace. The Pelicans have been playing with a very fast pace. Played with a good pace against the Jazz. 104, I believe, is what it was when the Jazz want to play slow and just weren't able to hit their shots. I'm going to throw that in there, and then I started looking up numbers as I was editing all of this. Um, and what that means for the Pels, because there's been a lot of misconceptions, so I think I'm going to talk about... That's what we'll do tomorrow. We've got it planned out. We did it in the fly here. Let's talk about pace, what it means for the Pels. Let's talk about Solomon Hill and how his return can impact the team and then we're going to preview the game against the Hornets uh, a winnable game for the Pels coming up that they really do need to get that's what we're going to do I'm not going to put this stuff in here we're going to tease it all for tomorrow and we're going to get you guys listening and we're going to have a really fun in-depth podcast with stats and all of that stuff we're going to nerd out here so I've got to do my research today uh, so that's just going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans thank you all for listening 0-2 over the weekend but a chance tomorrow night to really kind of turn things around and get on a streak, even though it looks like the Spurs are going to have Kawhi Leonard back for the game against the Pelicans on Thursday. 
Not going to be a good thing there. We'll talk about all of that and all the stuff we just talked about here tomorrow and get you guys set for the week, and hopefully the Pelicans can get a win. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all tomorrow. 